You're listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of 770 CHQR. Wayne Nelson back with you on The Strong Room on 770 CHQR. For more than 20 years, Macmillan Estate Planning has built a reputation as a trusted voice in helping clients protect what they've built over their lifetime and to help them prepare and protect that legacy for the next stage of their life, retirement. My guests this morning are estate planners Ken Huynh and Martine Tollefson from Macmillan Estate Planning. And we've been talking about a special kind of planning, making suitable arrangements to look after beneficiaries who may suffer from mental illness. Parents realizing that upon their death, they'll no longer be there for that child. And that can mean an adult child with parents worrying about what's going to happen once they're gone. Just before the break, we discussed the case of a woman who had recently been widowed, who was worried about how to best provide for her adult son, Charlie, after she passes. Charlie has some anxiety disorders and qualified for age payments, but also has addiction issues. And she was worried that he wasn't financially responsible and would spend his inheritance and then wouldn't be able to take care of himself. We talked about her options. The woman could leave Charlie the estate and hope for the best. Admittedly, that's not the best option. She could leave the money to a trusted friend or family member. And there's option three, a trust, a discretionary or special needs trust. How does that work, Martine? So this is something that we would design to be put into the will. So it only enacts after the will maker dies. And we can make that trust so that it can be a holder of the assets for the beneficiary with the mental illness, or maybe they have other issues like addiction issues too, something like that where we need to restrict what that person gets for various reasons. So well, maybe. you want to make sure it's going to last their lifetime or That's as right. long as possible. Yeah. As well, we want to factor in um, not affecting their government programs they might be on because uh, programs like AISH have restrictions and caps on what that person can receive or what they can hold as assets. All right. Ken, let's talk a little bit about how this would work, if you could walk me through that. How we would design the trust would be that we would, uh, first of all, we need to select a trustee. And this could be that trusted friend or family member that we've talked about earlier. In, 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 our, in our trust document, we would appoint this person as the trustee and they would hold title to all the assets that we would leave behind for our, our loved ones. What they would do is they would manage this money as if for the best interest of the ill uh, individual here. And again, I, I guess we should make clear that the trustee would be limited onto what that what they could take out of the trust to go to the beneficiary. Absolutely. That's one of the main requirements of the trustee uh, in, in a discretionary trust such as this is they would be given the discretion to provide for the ill individual, but to a specific point where they don't, I guess, increase their income or or over over provide for the individual so that they no longer qualify for any social benefits such as the H program. And does that trustee get some kind of compensation reimbursement for uh, the effort, the time that they're putting in to administer that trust? Absolutely, we mm-hmm. could actually have that in the trust deed. We can specify that. Prior to her passing, when we do up the paperwork here, that these individuals could either be, you know, compensated reasonably, uh, or they could have out-of-pocket expense reimbursed 
again, we get to dictate how we how our wishes is is transposed onto the uh, documents. And I guess too that the benefits of having that written into the will, written into the trust clauses, would really outweigh the costs of the administration because your peace of mind. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it makes it more solid too. Like. The other example of just letting the friend take over, you don't really have any oversight, Oversight, any legal obligations. That person could actually take the estate and use it for their own purposes, really. Right. But if we design a trust document, they're legally obligated to follow that. All right. Now, let's get back to those questions that you referred to before the break, questions that people should be asking if they have that situation similar to the case that you outlined where you have a a lady who was widowed who is worried about how to look after her son after she passes. So mm-hmm. what what are the first things? Well, one of the first things to ask is are are the assets that are going to be passed on to this beneficiary going to affect the ACE, ACE limits or other government programs that they might be on? So in other provinces, they have the same kind of idea. So that would be something that they would sit down with you at at McMillan Estate Planning Mm -hmm. to go over what the options would be on that case. That's right. And we'd go through their assets and how those would pass on to their beneficiaries. Um, Who are the beneficiaries? Should it be equal? Do we need to, you know, set something up special for this individual? And maybe the other children get something else. You know, we have to do it, basically, we have to customize it to that situation. So, Ken, it wouldn't be a, a standard type of, of will where you would expect that even distribution of, of assets to avoid the family fight or, mm-hmm. <laughs> or whatever. No, no, you no. Know, this, we, again, it's a special circumstance. Absolutely. Right. Every, every family will be different and, you know, every family will hold different assets. So, we want to make sure that you know, tax efficiently, uh, first and foremost, that gets uh, transferred to the beneficiary. Uh, and then, you know, the the amount and the type of assets is also very important. How important is it at this planning stage to bring all the other family members in to let them know what's going on? That's an interesting question. Um, typically, we will recommend that we have a family meeting when the planning is all complete. But not until. That's right. Too many cooks spoil the soup, I suppose. That's exactly it. So uh, there are families that want to involve the children or other family members, and we have to make sure that they're not being influenced in the wrong ways. Sure, because ultimately it's their decision. It's their assets to do with as they wish, Mm -hmm. and their wish is to make sure that their children are looked after, and that's all of their children. That's right. So... We, we want to make sure that we're working through these questions with the family, the mom and the dad or whoever the survivor is, I guess, if it's a widow or, you know, a single person, that we make sure we walk with them all the scenarios so we can sure. get what they really want. How do they want to set this up? And the other determining factor would be how capable the beneficiary would be in handling the assets. So that's question number two. Yeah, that's right. So we have families where they might have a 40-year-old child that can't even have an extra $5, which is so sad because they would gamble it away. So we we try to get to know the family through the parents to say, okay, what is this child like? What do they do? 
Are they a spendthrift? Or do they have these other issues? What's their spouse like? Things like that, so that we can make sure that we design it correctly. Is that a question that needs to be addressed, Ken, when the family is having the discussion or when you are having the discussion with the parents? It definitely is, Wayne. We usually you know, go over some of these concerns uh, with every family near the beginning of our planning process. We want to make sure that we know as much as possible about the family dynamic and the, the needs that the family members may require uh, right on the onset so that we can get started on the right foot. Do you require a, a doctor's note or anything like that to substantiate the person's capacity? Not, not in the planning stage. We don't, you, you know, the, the parent uh, generation knows, knows best for, for their children. So we don't require specifically the confirmation from a medical professional or anything like that. Uh, we just want to make sure that their wishes is, is, is met. And, and sometimes, you know, it might be an early on concern that they have that is, is, is the issue, but we don't, uh, and we, we plan for it, but we may come back and change that later on if, if uh, everything works out well. Mm-hmm. All right. Yeah. And again, that's part of that review process on a regular basis. That's right. So let's get to uh, some of the other questions, Martine. Um, Friends, I suppose. Uh, yeah. What's the beneficiary? I mean, you're hanging around with the wrong crowd. Yeah, that can affect things, right? Um, so that's a that's an important question. Um, especially, this seems to be a mom question. <laughs> Mom's always Mom's looking like, out for their kids. Yeah, they they can see sort of the influence that might be happening, and they they can be in tune with the the child's needs. And this is adult children too. Sure. Now, what about bloodline protection in your estate? How important does that factor in? Well, I find that a lot of families want to make sure that their estate, first of all, isn't wasted and that there's enough to go to the next generation. So it could be their kids or even their grandkids. So a common question is, well, you know, my my daughter-in-law, she's not too bad, but... But... I think maybe she's not, you know, maybe she'll spend it or something like that. So we use trust in that way too, just to kind of help keep it in the bloodline. Okay. Lots of things to consider when you are planning for beneficiaries with mental illness. If you're looking for more information on estate planning, you can check out some of the seminars that will be coming up in Edmonton, Tuesday, April 23rd at 6 p.m. and here in Calgary on Thursday, April 25th at 6.30. You can also contact Macmillan Estate Planning at 403-266-6464 or you can visit their website at macmillanestate.com. That's Macmillan spelled M-A-C-M-I-L-L-A-N. Our guests today have been Martine Tollison and Ken Huynh, estate planners from Macmillan Estate Planning. I'm Wayne Nelson. Thanks for joining us on The Strong Room on 770 CHQR.